Transportation Law Covers Common Carriers, Maritime Commerce, Public Service Act, and Warsaw Convention. Common Carriers Contract of Transportation A contract of transportation is one whereby a certain person or association of persons obligate themselves to transport persons, things, or news from one to another for a fixed price. Crisismo Bisocia There are three parties to the contract, the shipper, carrier, and consignee. Shipper one who gives rise to the contract of transportation by agreeing to deliver the things or news to be transported or to present his own person or those of other or others in the case of transportation of passengers. Carrier may sometimes be referred to as conductor, one who binds himself to transport person, things or news as the case may be or one employed in or engaged in the business of carrying goods for others for hire. And consignee, the party to whom the carrier is to deliver the things being transported or to whom the carrier may lawfully make delivery in accordance with the contract of carriers, the shipper and the consignee may be the same person. Carriers are persons or corporations who undertake to transport or convey goods, property, or persons from one place to another gratuitously or for hire and are classified as private or special carriers or common or public carriers, private or special carriers, transport or undertake to transport in a particular instance for hire or reward, Agbayani, commercial laws. Thus, common carriers are persons, corporations, firms, or associations which are engaged in the business of carrying or transporting passengers or goods or both by land, water, or air, for compensation, offering their services to the public. Article 1732 makes no distinction between one whose principal business activity is the carrying of persons or goods or both and one who does such carrying only as an ancillary activity, Fabre versus CE, between a person or enterprise offering transportation service on a regular or scheduled basis and one offering such service on an occasional episodic or unscheduled basis, Lodestar Shipping Company versus CA, between a carrier offering its services to the general public and one who offers services or solicits business only from a narrow segment of the general population, the Guzman versus CA, and between a carrier that maintains terminals or issues tickets with fixed and publicly known routes and one that does not, oh, does not have Asia Light Literates and Shipping versus CA. Test for a common carrier. Whether the undertaking is a part of the activity engaged in by the carrier, which it has held out to the general public as its business or occupation. It is determined by the character of the business actually carried on by the carrier. If the undertaking is a single transaction, not part of the general business or occupation engaged in, as advertised and held out to the general public, the individual or the entity rendering such service is a private, not a common carrier. Perina versus Nicholas. One engaged in the business of transporting petroleum products from refineries via pipeline is a common carrier. It is engaged in the business of transporting of or carrying goods, that is, petroleum products for hire as a public employment. 
It undertakes to carry for all persons independently, that is, to all persons who choose to employ its services and transport the goods by land and for compensation. The fact that it has a limited clientele does not exclude it from the definition of a common carrier. First Philippine Industrial versus CA. A customs broker may be regarded as a common carrier as long as a person holds itself to the public for the purpose of transporting goods as a business. It is already considered a common carrier regardless if it owns the vehicle used or has to hire one. Smith's Transport versus CA. And Travel Agency is not a common carrier. It is not an entity engaged in the business of transporting either passengers or goods and is therefore neither a private nor a common carrier. Its covenant with its customers is simply to make travel arrangement on their behalf. Chrysostomo versus CA. Difference between common carrier and private carrier as to availability, binding effect, diligence required, governing law, and regulation. Common carrier availability. It holds himself out in common that is to all persons who choose to employ him as ready to carry for hire, while private carrier agrees in some special case with some private individuals to carry for hire. Their binding effect, common carrier bound to carry all who offer and tender reasonable compensation for carrying them, while private carrier is not bound to carry for any reason such goods as it is accustomed to carry unless it enters into a special agreement to do so. With regards to diligence required, Common carriers required extraordinary diligence, while private carriers only ordinary diligence. Governing laws. Common carrier governs by civil code, code of commerce, and special laws. If not regulated by the civil code, the law of the country to which the goods are to be transported, if regarding liability for loss, destruction, or deterioration of goods, while private carrier, the law on obligations and contracts. As to regulation, common carrier is a public service, therefore subject to provisions governing common carriers and public utilities, while private carriers is not subject to regulation as a common carrier. It is not necessary that the carrier be issued a certificate of public convenience, Lodestar Shipping Company Incorporated versus CA. Diligence required of common carriers, the standard of diligence and presumption of negligence. Standard of diligence, common carriers from the nature of their business and for reasons of public policy are bound to observe extraordinary diligence according to all the circumstances of its case in the vigilance over the goods and for the safety of the passengers transported by them. Extraordinary diligence requires carrying passengers safely as far as human care and foresight can provide, using the utmost diligence of every cautious person with a due regard for all the circumstances. Note, a common carrier is not an insurer of the safety of its passengers and is not bound absolutely and at all events to carry them safely and without injury. Ubido versus CA. Presumption of Negligence the following gives rise to a presumption of negligence against the carrier for carriage of goods and for carriage of passengers. For carriage of goods, proof of delivery of goods in good order to a carrier and proof their arrival at a place of destination in bad order. Note, while delay in the delivery of goods is a breach of contract of carriage, 
it does not raise the presumption of negligence because the goods are not lost, deteriorated, or destroyed. For carriage of passengers, death of passengers, or injury to passengers, mere failure to reach one's destination without injury or death does not raise the presumption of negligence because it does not involve safety of the passengers. Effects of presumption makes out a prima facie case against the carrier. It makes it incumbent upon the carrier to prove that the loss, death, or injury was due to some other circumstance inconsistent with its liability or that it observed extraordinary diligence. Article 1756 in Sousti Steamship versus Dexter and Unson. Vigilance over goods. The liability of the common carrier with respect to vigilance over goods in general are, are as follows. Common carriers are responsible for the loss, destruction, or deterioration of the goods. In fact, they are liable even in those cases where the cause of the loss or damage is unknown. If the goods are lost, destroyed, or deteriorated, common carriers are presumed to have been at fault or to have acted negligently. Note. Two-pronged analysis in determining liability, whether or not the cause of the loss, destruction, or deterioration is included under Article 1734. If not, whether or not the common carrier exercise extraordinary diligence. Presumption of negligence. General rule. Common carriers are responsible for the loss, destruction, or deterioration of the goods. Exception. Common carriers are not liable when such loss, destruction, or deterioration is due to any of the following causes only. Flood, storm, earthquake, lightning, or other natural disaster or calamity. Act of the public enemy in war, whether international or civil. Act of omission of the shipper or owner of the goods. The character of the goods are defects or defects in the packing or in the containers. Order or act of competent public authority. In all other cases of loss, destruction, or deterioration, the common carrier is presumed to have been at fault or to have acted negligently unless they prove that they observe extraordinary diligence. Liabilities of common carriers The obligation of a common carrier consists in the transportation of passengers or, or goods or both. Principles governing the liability of common carriers Contractual at most diligence, presumed to be at fault or to have acted negligently, and not an insurer against all risks. The liability, or the liability of carrier is contractual and arises upon breach of its obligation. There is breach if it fails to exert extraordinary diligence according to all circumstances of its case. A carrier is obliged to carry its passenger with their utmost diligence of a very cautious person having due regard to, for all the circumstances. A carrier is presumed to be at fault or to have acted negligently in case of death or injury to passengers or being uh, its duty to prove that it exercised extraordinary diligence and the carrier is not an insurer against all risks of travel. Isaac versus E.L. Amen. Registered Owner Rule the person who is the registered owner of a vehicle is liable for any damage caused by the negligent operation of the vehicle, although the same was already sold. Philcar Transport versus Espinas. Cabit system. It is an arrangement whereby a person 
who has been granted a certificate of convenience allows another person who owns motor vehicles to operate under such franchise for a fee. Lita Enterprise Incorporated versus IAC. It is invariably recognized as being contrary to public policy and therefore void and inexistent under Article 1409. Thus, for the safety of passengers in the public, the registered owner of the vehicle is not allowed to prove that another person has become the owner so that he may be thereby relieved of responsibility. Lim versus CA. One of the primary factors considered in the granting of a certificate of public convenience for the business of public transportation is the financial capacity of the holder of the license so that liabilities arising from accidents may be duly compensated. The cabit system renders illusory such purpose and worse may still be availed of by the grantee to escape civil liability caused by a negligent use of vehicle owned by another and operated under the license. This on versus Octavio. However, one was a build of the cabit system is not precluded from filing for damages against another who caused the inquiry as the or the injury as the policy against the cabit system will not be defeated by giving such person standing to sue. Lim versus CA. Classification of Transport Network Vehicle Services and Transport Network Companies. Transport Network Company or TNC is defined as an organization whether a corporation partnership or sole proprietorship that provides pre-arranged transportation services for compensation using an internet-based technology application or a digital platform technology to connect passengers with drivers using their personal vehicles, DOTC number 2015-11. Transport Network Vehicle Services or TNBS refers to a TNC-accredited private vehicle owner which is a common carrier using the internet-based technology application or digital platform technology transporting passengers from one point to another for compensation. The TNBS cannot operate as a common carrier outside of an independent from the use of the internet-based technology of the TNC or TNCs to which they are accredited. TNBs and TNCs are explicitly considered common carriers and are classified as public utilities. They are subject to full regulation and supervision by the LTFRB, including but not limited to application and approval denial of franchise, setting of fares, routes, operating conditions, and imposition of fines, suspension, and cancellation of franchise. DLTFRB shall grant that TNCs and their accredited TNBS a certificate of public convenience upon full compliance of jurisdictional requirements as may be determined by LTFRB. The LTFRB shall also set the fare for the TNBS after public hearing or in consultation with the TNCs and TNBS. Previously, the TNC may or may not have been granted a certificate of public convenience. It is a holder of a valid and current CPC. It, it, it is known as a common carrier. Otherwise, it is classified as a land transportation service contractor. The partners, the owners of the vehicles used in transporting passengers, forming part of the network of a TNC, may or may not be a common carrier, depending on whether the partners itself or themselves are holders of a CPC. A mere accreditation given by Land Transportation Franchising and Regulatory Board or LTPRB is not an equivalent to a CPC and will not make said holder a common carrier. If the partner is a holder of a CPC, said partner is a common carrier. However, if the partner is not holder of a CPC, said partner is merely a land transportation service contractor. BIRMC 70-2015
Exempting causes, there are six natural disaster or calamity, act of public enemy, act or omission of shipper or owner, character of the goods, order of competent authority, and force majeure. Natural disaster or calamity requisites, the natural disaster must have been the proximate and only cause of the loss. The common carrier must exercise due diligence to prevent or minimize the loss before, during, and after the occurrence of the flood, storm, or natural disaster. The common carrier must not have negligently incurred delay. Fire may not be considered a natural disaster or calamity because it arises almost invariably from some act of man or by human means. It does not fall within the category of an act of God unless caused by lightning or by other natural disaster or calamity. Eastern Shipping Lines versus IAC Act of Public Enemy Requisites The Act of Public Enemy was committed either in an international or civil war. The Act of the Public Enemy must have been the proximate and only cause, and the common carrier must exercise due negligence to prevent or minimize the loss before, during, and after the Act of the Public Enemy, causing the loss, destruction, or deterioration of the goods. Thieves, rioters, robbers, and insurrectionists, though at war with social order, are not in a legal sense classed as public enemies, but are merely private depredators for whose acts a career is unsearable. Pirates on the high seas, however, stand as an exception to this rule. They are considered the enemies of all civilized nations, and indeed of the human race, and consequently their depredations on a common career will excuse him from liability. Act or omission of shipper or owner. The act or omission of a shipper must have been the proximate and only cause of the loss, destruction, or deterioration of goods. If the shipper or owner merely contributed to the loss, destruction, or the deterioration of the goods, the proximate cause being the negligence of the common carrier, the latter shall be liable for the damages which shall, however, be equitably reduced. Character of the goods requisites the loss, destruction, or deterioration of the goods is due to the character of the goods or defects in the packing or in the containers. The common carrier must exercise due diligence to forestall or lessen the loss. In the fact of improper packing is known to the carrier or its servants or apparent upon ordinary observation, but it accepts the goods. Notwithstanding such condition, it is not relieved of liability for loss or injury resulting therefrom. Southern Lines versus CA. Order of competent authority requisites there must be an order of an act or act of competent public authority through which the goods are seized or destroyed. The said public authority must have had the power to issue the order. To be exempted from liability, the, in the intervention of the competent public authority must be of a character that would render impossible the fulfillment by the carrier of the obligation. Ganson versus CA. Force Mayor in general has also been invoked as an exempting cause based on Article 1174, which states that no person shall be responsible for a fortuitous event which could not be foreseen or which, though foreseen, was inevitable. A fortuitous event has the following characteristics. The cause of the unforeseen and unexpected occurrence or the failure of the debtor to comply with this obligation must be independent of human will. It must be impossible to foresee the event which constitute the caso portuito, or if it, it can be foreseen, it must be impossible to avoid. 
the occurrence must be such as to render it impossible for the debtor to fulfill his obligation in a normal manner, and obligor must be free from any participation in the aggravation of injury resulting to the creditor. A common carrier may not be absolved from liability in case of force major or fortuitous event alone. The common carrier must still prove that it was not negligent in causing the death or injury resulting from an accident. UBW CA that the loss or destruction of the merchandise was due to accident and force major and not fraud, fault, or negligence on the part of the captain or owner of the ship. Tan Chiong Xian versus Itsauti. Requirement of absence of negligence, absence of delay, due diligence to prevent or lessen the loss. If the common carrier is found to have acted negligently, it is predicted or precluded from invoking that exempting causes under Article 1734 and will be liable for damages suffered by the goods it carried if such damages arises from the negligence. The exempting circumstance should be the proximate and only cause of the loss, destruction, or deterioration of the goods for the common carrier to be exempted from liability on any of the following grounds natural disaster or calamity, act of public enemy, character of the goods. When the common carrier's negligence is the proximate cause of the loss, destruction, or deterioration of the goods, the act or omission of the shipper will only mitigate the carrier's liability. Absence of delay. In order to be free from responsibility on the ground of natural disaster or calamity, the common carrier should not have negligently incurred in delay. Due diligence to prevent or lessen the loss. The common carrier should have exercised due diligence to prevent, forestall, or lessen the loss, the destruction, or deterioration of the goods in order to be exempted from liability on any of the following grounds national disaster calamity, or calamity, act of public enemy, character of the goods. Meeting a typhoon head on falls short of due diligence required from a common carrier, Asia Literates and Shipping Incorporated versus CA. Contributory negligence. The liability of the common carrier shall be equitably reduced when the loss, destruction, or deterioration of the goods when the negligence of the common carrier was the proximate cause thereof and the shipper or owner merely contributed to the such loss, destruction, or deterioration. Duration of liability. Instances when carrier has responsibility to exercise extraordinary diligence. From the time the goods are unconditionally placed in the possession of and received by the carrier or its authorized agent until the same are delivered actually and constructively by the carrier to the consignee or to the person who has a right to receive them. When goods are temporarily unloaded or stored in transit, unless the shipper or owner has made use of the right of stoppage in transito during storage in a warehouse of the carrier at the place of destination until consignee has been advised of the arrival of the goods and has had reasonable opportunity to remove or dispose them. In dealing with the contract of common carriers of passengers, for purpose of accuracy, there are two aspects of same, namely, contract to carry at some future time, which contract is consensual and is necessarily perfected by mere consent, and contract of carriage, 
or of common carriage, which should be considered as a real contract for not until the carrier is actually used, can the carrier be said to have already assumed the obligation of a carrier, Paras versus Civil Code, or Paras Civil Code annotated. Note, the distinction is important in determining when the common carrier is required to exercise extraordinary responsibility. The birth of the contract is not necessarily the birth of the duty to exercise extraordinary responsibility. Delivery of goods to common carriers. Delivery means unconditional placing the goods in the possession of the carrier and the carrier receiving them for tran transportation. Duration of liability covers delivery of goods to common carriers, actual or constructive delivery, and temporary unloading or storage. Delivery of goods to common carriers. Delivery means unconditionally placing the goods in the possession of the carrier and the carrier receiving them for transportation. Unconditionally placing the goods in the possession of the carrier means the shipper cannot get them back from the common carrier at will. Thus, the liability of the carrier as common carrier and its duly of extraordinary diligence begins with the actual delivery of the goods, not when the common carrier receives the goods not for transportation but only for safekeeping or when a receipt or bill of leading is executed since the issuance of a bill of leading is not necessary to complete delivery and acceptance. Compania Maritima versus Insurance Company. Actual or constructive delivery. The extraordinary responsibility of the common carrier ends when subject to Article 1738, the goods are delivered actually or constructively by the carrier to the consignee or the person who has a right to receive them, such as agents, brokers, and the like. Article 1738 provides that the external liability of common carrier continues to be operative even during the time the goods are stored in a warehouse of the carrier at the place of destination until the consignee has been advised of the arrival of the goods and had reasonable opportunity thereafter to remove them or otherwise dispose of them. Delivery of the cargo to the customs authorities is not delivery to the consignee or to the person who has a right to receive them as contemplated in Article 173.6 because in such case the goods are still in the hands of the government and the owner cannot exercise dominion over them. However, the parties may agree to limit the liability of the carrier considering that the goods still have to go through the inspection of the customs authorities before they are actually turned over to the consignee. It is unfair that the carrier be made responsible for what may happen during the interregnum. Ludo versus Binamira. It is settled in maritime law jurisprudence that cargoes while being unloaded generally remain under the custody of the carrier, ASEAN Terminals Incorporated versus Pilam Insurance Company. Temporary unloading or storage. The general rule, extraordinary diligence over the goods remains even when the goods are temporarily unloaded or stored in a transit. Exception, the duty to observe such diligence ceases when shipper or owner makes use of the right of stoppage in transito. Stoppage in transito is the act by which the unpaid vendor of goods, their progress and resumes possession of them constructively while they are in the course of transit from him to the purchaser and not yet actually delivered to the latter. Basis under Article 1530, when the buyer of the goods becomes insolvent, the unpaid seller who has parted with the possession of the goods at any time while they are in transit, 
may resume the possession with the goods as he would have had if he had never parted with the possession. When the right of stoppage in Tresito is exercised, the common carrier holds the goods in the capacity of an ordinary bailey or whereas man upon the theory that the exercise of the right of stoppage in transito terminates the contract of carriage. Hence, only ordinary diligence is required. Stipulation for limitation of liability There are two possible stipulations limiting the liability of the common carrier. A. Stipulation limiting the common carrier's liability as to the diligence required and B. Stipulation limiting the common carrier's liability as to the amount of liability. An agreement limiting the common carrier's liability for delay on account of strikes or riots is also valid. As to diligence required, a stipulation between the common carrier and the shipper or owner limiting the liability of the former for the loss, destruction, or deterioration of the goods to a degree less than extraordinary or diligence shall be valid, provided it be in writing signed by the shipper or owner supported by valuable consideration other than the service rendered by the common carrier and reasonable, just, and not contrary to public policy. Void stipulations. Any of the following or similar stipulations shall be considered unreasonable, unjust, and contrary to public policy. That the goods are transported at the risk of the owner or shipper. That the common carrier will not be liable for any loss, destruction, or deterioration of the goods. That the common carrier need to observe any diligence in the custody of the goods. That the common carrier shall exercise a degree of diligence less than that of a good father of family or of a man of ordinary prudence in the vigilance over the movables transported. That the common carrier shall not be responsible for the acts or omissions of his or its employees. That the common carrier's liability or for acts committed by thieves or of robbers who do not act with grave or resistible threat, violence or force, is dispensed with or diminished. That the common carrier is not responsible for the loss, destruction, or deterioration of goods on account of the defective condition of the car, vehicle, ship, airplane, or other equipment used in the contract of carriers. That the common carrier is exempt from any and all liability or, or for loss or damage occasioned by its own negligence. Stipulation proving for an unqualified limitation for such liability to an agreed stipulation, Hickok versus Macondre. Limitation of liability to fixed amount. A contract fixing the, the sum that may be recovered by the owner or shipper for the loss, destruction, or deterioration of the goods is valid if it is reasonable and just under the circumstances and it has been fairly and freely agreed upon. While a passenger may not have signed the plane ticket, he is nevertheless bound by the provision thereof, regardless of the latter's lack of knowledge or assent to the regulation. It is what is known as a contract of adhesion, wherein one party imposes a ready-made form of contract on the other. The one who adheres to the contract is, in reality, free to reject it entirely. A contract limiting liability upon an agreed valuation does not offend against the policy of the law, forbidding one from contracting against his own negligence. On U versus CA. However, the fact that the conditions are printed at the back of the ticket stop in letters so small that they are hard to read would not warrant the presumption that the shipper was aware of those conditions such that he had fairly and freely agreed to those conditions. Suiraram versus Pal. 
factors affecting agreement. The effect of this stipulation is subject to the following provisions. 1. An agreement limiting the common carrier's liability may be annulled by the shipper or owner if the common carrier refused to carry goods unless the former agreed to such stipulation. The common carrier without just cause delays the transportation of the goods or changes the stipulated or usual route. The contract limiting the common carrier's liability cannot be availed of in case of the loss, destruction, or deterioration of the goods. The fact that a common carrier has no competitor along the line or route or a part thereof to which the contract refers shall be taken into consideration on the question of whether or not a stipulation limiting the common carrier's liability is reasonable, just, and in consonance with the public policy. Even when there is an agreement limiting the liability of the common carrier in the vigilance over the goods, the common carrier is disputably presumed to have been negligent in case of their loss, destruction, or deterioration. Limitations of liability and absence of declaration of greater value A stipulation that a common carrier's liability is limited to the value of the goods appearing in the bill of lading unless the shipper or owner declares a greater value is binding. Where the liability has been limited due to a stipulation written at the back of the ticket to that effect that the liability is limited to a certain amount unless the passenger declares a higher valuation, a passenger who did not declare a higher valuation or did not pay additional charges cannot increase the liability of the carrier. Ongyo versus CA. Liability for baggage of passengers, that is, either check-in baggage or baggage in possession of passengers. Baggage are things that a passenger will bring with him consistent with the temporary absence from where he lives. Passengers' baggage must have a direct relationship with the passenger who is traveling. For instance, a balikbayan box or suitcase is passenger's baggage. However, 10,000 cans of corned beef is not considered as passenger baggage. They are considered as goods and are not part of the contract of carriage of passenger. A separate contract of carriage or bill of lading must be entered into in order to transport them. There are two kinds of passenger's baggage which are governed differently. 1. Passenger baggage in the custody of the passenger or carry-on luggage and 2. Passenger baggage not in the custody of the passenger or check-in luggage. The liability is greater for baggage that is in the custody of the carrier or check-in baggage as compared to those in possession of the passenger. Check-in baggage. The provisions of Article 1733 to 1753 shall apply to passenger's baggage which is not in his personal custody or in that of his employee. In other words, the rules governing the responsibility of common carrier in the transportation of goods apply. Thus, extraordinary diligence is required. Baggage and possession of passengers. As to baggage other than check-in and baggage, they are governed by Article 1998 and 2002-2003 concerning the responsibility of hotel keepers. Article 1998, as applied by analogy, the baggage of passengers in their personal custody or in that of their employees while being transported are as or are regarded as necessarily as necessary deposits. The common carriers are responsible as depositaries, provided that notice was given to them or to their employees of the effects brought by the passengers, and the passengers take the precautions which the common carrier advise relative to the care and vigilance of their baggage. In case of loss or injury to the baggage of passengers in their personal custody, 
or in that of their employees while being transported, the carrier is liable if the loss or injury is caused by his servants, his employees, strangers, a thief or robber done without the use of arms or irresistible force. The carrier is not liable if loss or injury is caused by force majeure, theft or robbery with the use of arms or irresistible force, the acts of the passenger, his family, servants or visitors, the character of the baggage. The following provision also figure in determining the liability of common carrier. 1. The fact that the passengers are constrained to rely on the vigilance of the common carrier shall be considered in determining the degree of care required of him. 2. The common carrier cannot free himself from responsibility by posting notices to the effect that he is not liable for the articles brought by the passenger in a stipulation whereby the responsibility of the common carrier as set forth in Article 1998-2001 is suppressed or diminished shall be void. Safety of passengers. The liability of the common carriers with respect to the safety of passengers in general as follows provided by the new civil code. A. A common carrier is bound to carry the passengers safely as far as human care and foresight can provide using the utmost diligence of very cautious persons with a due regard of all the circumstances. Article 1755 Civil Code B. In case of death of, of or injuries to passengers, common carriers are presumed to have been at fault or to have acted negligently unless they prove that they observe extraordinary diligence. Article 1756 Civil Code Note it is not enough that the accident was caused by force majeure. The common carrier must still prove that it was not negligent in causing the injuries resulting from such accident. Bachelor Express versus CA. Bachelor Express illustrates that force majeure is not itself a defense. The exercise of the diligence required by law is the defense. Let's go to void stipulations on notices and tickets. General rule. The responsibility of common carrier for the safety of passengers cannot be dispensed with or lessened by stipulation by the posting of notices, by statements on tickets, or otherwise. Article 1757 Civil Code Exception When a passenger is carried gratuitously, a stipulation limiting the common carrier's liability for negligence is valid. Article 1758 Exception to the Exception even when a passenger is carried gratuitously, a stipulation limiting the common carrier's liability for willful acts or gross negligence is invalid. Article 1758 Civil Code The reduction of pairs does not justify any limitations of the common carrier's liability. Article 1758 Civil Code Duration of Liability From A. Waiting for Carrier or Boarding of Carrier and B. Arrival at Destination As in the contract of carriage of goods, the perfection of the contract of carriage of passengers does not necessarily coincide with the commencement of the duty of the auxiliary diligence. It may occur at a time or at the same time or later. Based on jurisprudence, the duty that the carrier of passengers owes to its patrons extends to persons boarding the cars as well as those alighting therefrom, Del Prado versus Manila Electric Company. This is also reflected in Article 17 of Warsaw Convention, which applies to international air carriers. It provides that the liability of a common carrier for injury to the passenger lasts from the embarkation to disembarkation, including the period when the passenger is on board the aircraft. 
In Maritime Commerce, Article 698 of Code of Commerce relates to the period of the voyage. In case a voyage already begun should be interrupted when the passengers shall be obliged to pay the fare in proportion to the distance covered and have the following reliefs. The following are instance and their reliefs. Cause of interruption is an accidental cause or force mayor. The relief is without right to recover for losses and damages. And the cause of interruption is by the captain exclusively. The relief is with a right to indemnity. Uh, when the cause by the disability of the vessel and a passenger should agree to await the repairs, then the relief is he may not be required to pay any increased price or passage, but his living expenses during the stay shall be for his own account. In case of delay in the departure of the vessel, the passenger have A. The right to remain on board B. If the delay is not due to the fortuitous event or force majeure, the right to be furnished with food for the account of the vessel C. If the delay should exceed 10 days uh, Two options Either passengers requesting the same shall be entitled to the return of the fare and if it is due exclusively to the fault of the captain or ship agent, they may also demand indemnity for losses and damages. A vessel exclusively devoted to the transportation of passengers must take them directly to the port or ports of destination. No matter what the number of passengers may be, making all the stops indicated in its itinerary. Waiting for carrier or boarding of carrier. The duty that the carrier of passengers owes to its patron extend to persons boarding the cars as well as to those alighting therefrom. It is the duty of a common carriers of passengers to stop their conveyances at a reasonable length of time in order to afford passengers an opportunity to board and enter. Carriers are liable for injuries suffered by boarding passengers resulting from the sudden starting up or jerking of their conveyances while they are doing so. Dangwa Transportation versus CA. However, a person boarding a moving car must be taken or must be taken to assume the risk of injury from boarding the car under the condition open to his view. Nonetheless, he cannot fairly be held to assume the risk that the motorman, having the situation in view, will increase the peril by accelerating the speed of the car before he is planted safely on the platform. Del Prado versus Manila Electric Company. The extraordinary responsibility of common carriers commences with respect to carriers of passengers by trains the moment the person who purchases the ticket from the carrier presents himself at the proper place and in a proper manner to be transported with a bona fide intent to ride the coats, Aquino citing Viuda de Nueca versus Manila Railroad Company. And with respect to carriers of passengers by sea, as soon as the person with bona fide intention of taking passage places himself in the care of the carrier or its employees and is accepted as passenger. Aquino. Arrival at destination. The relation of carrier and passenger does not cease at the moment. The passenger alights from the carrier's vehicle at a place selected by the carrier at the point of destination but continues until the passenger has had a reasonable time or a reasonable opportunity to leave the carrier's premises. What is a reasonable time or a reasonable delay within this rule is to be determined from all the circumstances such as the kind of common carrier, the nature of its business, the customs of the place, and so forth, and therefore precludes a consideration of the time element per se without taking into account such other factors. The primary factor to be considered is the existence of a reasonable cause as well 
justify the presence of the victim on or near the petitioner's vessel. One, a person who after alighting from a train walks along the station platform is considered still a passenger. Two, a passenger who has alighted at his destination is proceeding by the usual way to leave the company's premises but before actually doing so is halted by the report of his brother. A fellow passenger has been shot uh, and he in good faith returns to relieve his brother is deemed reasonably and necessarily delayed and thus continues to be a passenger entitled as such to the protection of the railroad and company in its agents, La Mallorca versus CA. 3. In the case of a shipper, the passengers of vessels are allotted a longer period of time to disembark from the ship than other common carriers such as passenger bus, since such vessels are capable of accommodating a bigger volume of, volume of both passenger and baggage as compared to the capacity of a regular commuter bus. Consequently, a ship passenger will need at least an hour as is the usual practice to disembark from the vessel and claim his baggage. Avoid the shipping versus CA. 4. The carrier necessarily would still have to exercise extraordinary diligence in safeguarding the comfort, convenience, and safety of its stranded passengers until they have reached their final destination. PAL versus CA. Note. Despite the court's pronouncement in PAL, Note that common carriers are bound to observe extraordinary diligence in the safety of its passengers. The law does not mention the words comfort and convenience. Liability for acts of others by its employees or other passengers and strangers. For employees, general rule, common carriers are liable for the death of or injuries to passengers through the negligence or willful acts of the former employees, although such employees may have acted beyond the scope of their authority or in violation of the orders of the common carriers. This liability does not cease, one, even upon proof that they exercise all the diligence of a good father of a family in the selection and supervision of the employees, Article 17599 Civil Code, two, by stipulation, by the posting of notices, nor by statements on the tickets eliminating or limiting said liability, Article 1760 Civil Code. Reason, the servant is clothed with delegated authority and changed with a duty to execute the carrier's undertaking to carry the passenger safely. Also, the defense of diligence in the selection and supervision of employees does not obtain because the liability is not based on quasi-delic but on culpa contractual. However, there must be a reasonable connection between the act and the contract of carriers. Note, the employee must be on duty at the time of the act. It is enough that the assault happens within the course of the employee's duty. It is no defense for the carrier that the act was done in excess of authority or in disobedience of the carrier's orders. Maranan versus Perez. Exception to this, a common carrier is not responsible for acts falling under force majeure when a party is unable to fulfill his obligation because of force majeure, he cannot be held liable for damages for non-performance, Japan Airlines Company vs. CA. Note, in order to be exempted from liability due to a fortuitous event, a common carrier must still prove a complete exclusion of human agency from the cause of injury or death. Hence, it was held that the explosion of the new tire may not be considered a fortuitous event as there are human factors involved in the situation, Ubido versus CA. Other passengers and strangers, 
The general rule, a common carrier is not liable for injuries inflicted by strangers or co-passengers. Exception, a common carrier is responsible for injuries suffered by a passenger in account of the willful acts or negligence of other passengers or of strangers. If the common carrier's employees, through the exercise of the diligence of a good father of a family, could have prevented or stopped the act or omission, Article 176.16 Civil Code. Note, the law speaks of injuries suffered by the passenger, but not death. However, there appears to be no reason why the common carrier should not be held liable under such circumstances. The word injuries should be interpreted to include death. Under Article 176.3, a tort committed by a stranger which causes injury to a passenger does not call the latter a cause of action against the carrier. The negligence for which a common carrier is held responsible is the negligent omission by the carrier's employees to prevent the tort from being committed when the same could have been foreseen and prevented by them through the exercise of the diligence of a good father of a family. Pilapel versus CA. Contributory negligence. The passenger must observe the diligence of a good father of a family to avoid injury to himself. The contributory negligence of the passenger does not bar recovery of damages for his death or injuries if the proximate cause thereof is the negligence of the common carrier, but the amount of damages shall be equitably reduced. Article 1761 and 1762 of the new civil code. However, when the negligence of the passenger was the proximate cause of the injury, the passenger is barred from recovery and the common carrier is exempted from liability. It is a negligence per se to voluntarily or inadvertently put, put, protrude one's arm, hand, elbow, or any other part of his body through the window of a moving car beyond the outer edge of the window of outer surface of the car so as to come in contact with objects or obstacles near the track. Isaac et al. Uh, amen versus Amen. Liability for delay and commencement of voyage arising from seven rights, right to information, right to refund or revalidation, right to amenities, right to compensation, right to remain on board, right to return, and right to damage. A delayed voyage refers to a voyage involving 1. Late departure of the ship from its port of origin or 2. Late arrival thereof to its port of destination for a period of time not exceeding 24 hours from the CPC authorized time of departure or arrival of the ship maritime industry authority circular number 2018-27. In case of delayed voyages, passengers shall have the following rights. Rights to information. Within 30 minutes of knowledge that the voyage shall be delayed but not later than one hour before the CPC authorized departure schedule, the operator shall inform the passengers of the delay, the cause of delay, the new departure or expected arrival time, Maritime Industry Authority Circular. B. Right to refund or revalidation. Should the delay be for more than three hours, the passengers shall be offered the option to request a refund of the ticket price or for the revalidation of the tickets. C. Right to amenities. The operator shall provide free of charge the passengers with the following snacks or refreshment or meals during mealtime, free access to first aid relief medicine if necessary, free access to communication facilities or services if necessary, 
free decent and clean accommodation located near or accessible from the port, free transportation to and from the port in the place of accommodation should the delay require a waiting time of more than 8 but not exceeding 24 hours, Maritime Industry Authority Circular. D. Right to Compensation As an alternative to providing accommodation or whenever the same is not practicable, the operator may offer the passengers corresponding compensation 1. In an amount equivalent to the prevailing market price of a decent and clean accommodation in the immediate or adjacent locality of the ship's points of departure 2. Subject to the limitation of maximum of 3 nights per passenger Maritime Industry Authority Circular Right to remain on board. In case the departure of the vessel is delayed, the passenger have a right to remain on board and to be furnished with food for the account of the vessel unless the delay is due to an accidental cause or to force mayor. Article 698, uh, Code of Commerce. Right to return. If the delay should exceed 10 days, the passengers who request it shall be entitled to the return of the passage. Article 698, Civil Code. Right to damages. If the delay were due exclusively to the captain or agent, the passengers may furthermore demand indemnity for losses and damages. Article 698, Court of Commerce. Liability for defects in equipment and facilities. While a carrier is not an insurer of the safety of the passengers, it should nevertheless be held to answer for the flaws of its equipment and mechanical defects if such flaws were at all discoverable. The manufacturer of the defective appliance is considered in law as the agent of the carrier and the goods repute of the manufacturer will not relieve the carrier from liability. Rationale, the passenger has no privity with the manufacturer of the defective equipment. Hence, he has no remedy against him while the carrier usually has. Nisisito versus Paras. Extent of liability for damages. Damages recoverable from common carriers, both in cases of carriage of passengers and goods, shall be awarded in accordance with Title 18 concerning damages. Article 2206 on liability in case of death for loss of earning capacity, support, and moral damages for mental anguish shall also apply to the death of a passenger caused by the breach of contract by common carrier. Thus, the damages recoverable are actual or compensatory damages, moral damages, exemplary damages, nominal temperate and liquidated damages, and attorney's fees. Actual or compensatory damages. Actual or compensatory damages refer to adequate compensation for such pecuniary loss suffered as duly proved, Article 2199. Under Article 2201, liability for damages include in case the common carrier acted in good faith, a. The natural and provable consequence of the breach of the obligation and b. Those which the parties have foreseen or could have reasonably foreseen at the time of the obligation was constituted. b. In case of fraud, bad faith, malice, or wanton attitude, all damages which may be reasonably attributed to the non-performance of the obligation. In case of that, actual damages also include a. Loss of earning capacity unless the deceased had no earning capacity at the time of death and b. Support for a period not exceeding 5 years, Article 2206. In the absence of assuring that common carrier's attention was called to the special circumstances requiring prompt delivery of a passenger's luggage, the common carrier cannot be held liable for the cancellation of passenger's contracts for exhibition of films as it could not have foreseen 
or foreseen such and eventually when it accepted the luggage for transit, Pan Am World Airways versus IAC. Award Moral Damages Moral damages, though incapable of pecuniary computation, if they are the proximate result of the common carrier's wrongful act or omission, may be recovered. In cases of breach of contract of carriage, moral damages may be recovered where 1. The common carrier acted fraudulently, 2. The common carrier acted in bad faith, and 3. Death of a passenger resulted even in the absence of bad faith or fraud. Bad faith contemplates a state of mind affirmatively operating with Purative design or with some motive of self-interest or will or for ulterior purpose. Air France versus Carascuso. Inattention and lack of care on the part of the carrier resulting in the failure of the passenger to be accommodated in the class contracted for amounts to bad faith or fraud which entitles the passenger to the award of moral damages in accordance with Article 2220 Ortigas versus Lufthansa. Willful and deliberate overbooking on the part of the airline carrier constitute bad faith under Section 3 Economic Regulations No. 7 of the Civil Aeronautics Board. Overbooking, which does not exceed 10%, is not considered as deliberate and therefore does not amount to bad faith, United Airlines versus CA. Exemplary Damages in a contract of carriage, exemplary damages may be awarded if the common carrier acted in wanton, fraudulent, reckless, oppressive, or malevolent manner. Exemplary damages serve as an instrument to serve the ends of law and public policy by reshaping society deleterious behaviors, specifically in the case to compel the common carrier to control their employees, to tame their reckless instinct, and to force them to take adequate care of human beings and their property, Mecenas versus CA. Nominal, temperate, and liquidated damages. Nominal damages are adjudicated in order that a right of the plaintiff, which has been violated by the defendant, may be vindicated or recognized not for the purpose of indemnifying the plaintiff, but for any loss suffered by them. It may be awarded in case of breach of contract of carriage and every case where any property right has been invaded. A violation of the passenger's right to be treated with courtesy and accordance with the degree of negligence required by law to be exercised by every common carrier entitles the passenger to nominal damages, saludo versus CA. Temperate or moderate damages, which are more than nominal but less than compensatory damages, may be recovered when some pecuniary loss has been suffered but its amount cannot prompt the nature of the case be proved with certainty. In the case of Peltranco versus Paras, the Supreme Court upheld award of temperate damages by the CA. Paras failed to show receipts of at least two surgeries as well as rehabilitative therapy. Nonetheless, the CA was convinced that Paras should not suffer from the lack of definite proof as his actual expenses for the surgeries and rehabilitative therapy. Thus, the CA awarded to him temperate damage of 50000 in the absence of definite proof of his actual expenses towards the end. Liquidated damages are those damages agreed upon by the parties to a contract to be paid in case of breach or thereof. And attorney's fees under Article 2208 as applicable to a contract of carriage, attorney's fees and expenses of litigation may be recovered in the following cases. When exemplary damages are awarded, when the common carrier acts or mission has compelled the plaintiff to litigate with third persons or to incur expenses to protect his interests, and where the common carrier acted in gross and evident bad faith in refusing to satisfy the plaintiff's valid just and 
uh, demandable uh, claim. And fourth, in any other case where the court deems it just and equitable that attorney fees and expenses of litigation should be recovered. Bill of Leading A bill of leading is a written acknowledgement signed by the master of a vessel or other authorized agent of the carrier that he has received the described goods from the shipper, A, to be transported on the express terms to the described place of the destination, and B, to be delivered there to be to the designated consignee or parties. The bill of leading becomes effective usually upon its delivery to and acceptance by the shipper. In the absence of fraud, concealment, or improper conduct, it is presumed that the stipulations of the bill are known to the shipper and is generally bound by his acceptance whether he reads the bill or not. Magellan Manufacturing Marketing Corporation versus CA. The threefold character of bill of leading operates as a 1. Receipt as to the quantity and description of the goods shipped. 2. Contract to transport and deliver the goods to the consignee or other person therein designated on the terms specified in such instrument and document of title, which makes it symbol of the goods. The general rule, the bill of leading constitutes the legal evidence of the contract of transportation, and all disputes between the parties regarding the execution and performance of the contract shall be decided by the contents of the bill of leading issued by the carrier. It is covered by the parole evidence rule in which the terms of the contract are rendered conclusive upon the parties. Evidence alunde is not admissible to vary or contract a complete and enforceable agreement embodied therein, Magellan Marketing Corporation Virtual CA. The value of the goods stated in the bill of leading is conclusive between the parties and the shipper is not allowed to prove a higher value. It is only when the carrier's fault if so gross as to amount to actual fraud that the actual amount of the losses and damages suffered may be proved by the shipper against the carrier. Exception of this is the contents of the bill of leading are not controlling when there is falsity and material error in its drafting. A bill of leading is not, however, indispensable for the creation of a contract of carriers, Compania Maritima versus Insurance Company. In the absence of bill of leading, disputes shall be determined by the legal proofs which the parties may present in support of their respective claims according to the Code of, or to the code of Commerce, Article 354, Code of Commerce. Delivery of goods. The goods should be delivered to the consignee or any other person to whom the bill of leading was validly transferred or negotiated. The carrier is duty-bound to deliver the goods in the same condition in which, according to the bill of leading, they were at the time of the receipt without damage or impairment. Period of delivery Period of delivery is stipulated in the bill of leading. The delivery must be made within period fixed. While period of delivery is not stipulated, the delivery must be made through the first shipment of the same or similar merchandise to the point of delivery. If not made on such first shipment, delay arises. Liability in case of delay in delivering the goods. Indemnity for delay is fixed in the bill of leading. The liability is limited to the stipulation. While if the liability uh, is uh, indemnity for delay is not fixed, liable for all damages which may have been caused by the delay. Delivery without surrender of bill of leading. 
After the contract has been complied with, the bill of lading which the carrier has issued shall be returned to him and the respective obligations and actions shall be considered cancelled by virtue of the exchange of this title with the thing transported. Unless in the same act the claim which the parties may wish to reserve be reduced to writing, exception being made of the provisions of Article 366 on period of filing of claims. If the consignee cannot return the bill of lading subscribed by the carrier upon receiving the merchandise in case of loss for any or other reason whatsoever, the consignee shall give said carrier a receipt for the goods delivered. The receipt produces the same effect as the return of the bill of lading. If surrender of the original bill of lading is not possible, acknowledgement of the delivery by signing the delivery receipt suffices for a common carrier to be discharged of its contractual obligation, National Tracking and Forwarding Corporation versus Lorenzo Shipping Corporation. Refusal of consignee to take delivery. The consignee may refuse to take delivery in the following cases. One, if only part of the goods transported should be delivered when the proves that or when he proves that he cannot make use thereof without the others. When the goods are rendered useless for purposes of sale or consumption in the use for which they are properly destined, in which case the consignee may demand payment of the goods of current market prices. 3. In case part of the goods is in good condition and separation is possible, the consignee may refuse to receive only the damaged goods. And 4. Where the delay is through the fault of the carrier. In case of dispute as to the condition of the goods, the same shall be examined by expert appointed by the parties and in case of disagreement appointed by the judicial authority. If the person interested should not agree with the report, said judicial authority shall order the deposits of the merchandise in a safe warehouse and the parties interested shall make use of their rights in the proper manner. Horses, vehicles, vessels, and equipment used by the carrier serve as liens for the payments of the value of the goods which the carrier must pay in case of loss or misplacement. Period of Filing Claims A claim on account of damage found upon opening the packages must be made against the carrier. A. Within 24 hours, if the indications of the damage cannot be ascertained from the exterior of the package, that is, latent damage. Or B. At the time of receipt, if the indications damage can also be ascertained, that is, patent damage. No claim whatsoever shall be admitted against the carrier with regard to the condition in which the goods transported were delivered after the periods mentioned have elapsed or after the transportation charges have been paid. The periods mentioned commence upon delivery of cargo to the consignee of the place of destination. Thus, Article 366 is limited to cases of claims for damage to goods actually turned over by the carrier and received by the consignee. It does not apply to misdelivery of goods. Failure to file a claim bars recovery. Reason The rule protects the carrier by affording it an opportunity to make an investigation of a claim while the matter is still fresh and easy or easily investigated so as to safeguard itself from false and fraudulent claims. UCPB General Incorporated versus Aboite Shipping. However, provisions specifying a time to give notice of damage to common carriers are ordinarily to be given a reasonable and practical rather than a strict construction. Thus, in light of the peculiar circumstances, in this case, the court made a pro-act BC ruling in that, uh, or, uh, in that 
Even if the notice was given more than 24 hours after the receipt of the goods, the notice requirement was held nevertheless to have been complied with. Avoites versus Insurance Company of North America. The applicable laws. Code of Commerce primarily governs domestic transport but nothing stops parties from stipulating that COGSA applies in their contract. COGSA, applicable law for all contracts for carriage of goods by sea to Philippine ports in parent trade. Code of Commerce and COGSA both applies. File claim for apparent loss upon receipt. Code of Commerce file claim within 24 hours from delivery if damage or loss is not apparent. While in COGSA, file claim within 3 days from delivery of damage or, or loss is not apparent. Code of Commerce filing of claim is mandatory condition precedent for filing of action for damages. While in COGSA, filing of the claim is not mandatory. In Code of Commerce, prescriptive period to file an action is 10 years from breach of uh, if bill of lading written receipt or contract is issued 6 years from breach if only through oral contract. In COGSA, prescriptive period to final action is one year from discharge of goods or date when they should have been delivered. The one-year period may be extended by stipulation. The parties the contract of carriers be fixed by agreement, a shorter time for the bringing of suit on a claim for the loss of or damage to the shipment that the provided by the statute of limitation, one, in the absence of any statutory limitation, and two, subject to the requirement on the reasonableness of the stipulated period. Reason Such stipulation merely affects the shipper's remedy and does not affect the liability of the carrier. Pelamgen versus Sweet Lines Incorporated. Period for piling actions for overland transportation and coastwise shipping and for international carriage of goods by sea. For overland transportation and cost-wise shipping, the general rule under the Civil Code on extensive prescription apply. Thus, action for damages must be filed in court, 1. Within 6 years, if a bill of lading was not issued, and 2. Within 10 years, if a bill of lading was issued. Under international carriage of goods by sea, suit must be brought within 1 year, 1. After delivery of the goods, or 2. From the date when the goods should have been delivered. Otherwise, the carrier in the ship shall be discharged from all liability in respect of loss or damage. The absence of notice shall not affect or prejudice the right of the shipper to bring suit within one year after the delivery of the goods or the date when the goods should have been delivered. The COGSA, as adopted and embodied in CA number 65, applies because it is a special law and as such prevails over the general provisions of the Civil Code on Prescription of Actions, Maritime Agencies and Services Incorporated versus CA. Effects of Stipulations There are three kinds of limiting stipulations open made in Bill of Leading. No Liability, Limited Liability, Qualified Liability. No Liability its effects exempts the carrier from any and all liability for loss or damage occasioned by its own negligence. It is invalid. While limited liability is unqualified limitation of such liability to an agreed valuation, still this is invalid. While qualified liability 
limits the liability of the carrier to an agreed valuation unless the shipper declares a higher value and pays a higher rate of freight. This is valid and enforceable. It's a Hika Company versus Macondre. Maritime Commerce Vessel Vessels are those engaged in navigation, whether coastwise or on the high seas, destined for the services of the industry or maritime commerce. The word vessel used in the Code of Commerce was not intended to include all ships, craft, or floating structures of every kind without limitation. Lopez versus Doruelo. Vessels are considered personal or movable property, Article 585 of the Code of Commerce but they partake to a certain extent of the nature and conditions of real property on account of their value and importance in the world of commerce. Charter parties. There are three kinds. Bear boat or demis charter, time charter, and voyage or trip charter. Charter parties or charter party, a contract by virtue of which the owner or agent of a vessel binds himself to transport merchandise or persons for a fixed price. Liabilities arising from breach of the charter party is identical to overland transport. Tawids is not a charter party. It is contract for the hire of services by which a vessel is engaged to tow another vessel from one port to another for consideration. Bill of Lading distinguished from a charter party. A bill of lading is a private receipt which the captain gives to accredit that such goods belong to such persons, while charter party is a complete contract whereby the wall or part of the ship is let by the owner to a merchant or other person for a specified time for use for the conveyance of goods in consideration of the payment of freight. Caltex versus Solpico Lines. Bill of Lading is a real contract which exists only after delivery of the goods to be transported is made, while charter party is a consensual contract which can be dissolved by means of indemnity for losses and damages. Persons who make a charter A. Owner or owners of the vessel, either in whole or in part, who have legal control and possession of the vessel. B. Charterer may be, char be charter in their vessel to third persons only if not prohibited in original charter. Ship agent if authorized by the owners or given such power in the certificate of appointment. And the captain in the absence of the ship agent or consignee and only if he acts in accordance with the instructions of the agent or owner and protects the latter's interest. Requisites for a valid charter or uh, requisites for a valid charter party. A. Consent of the contracting parties. B. Existing vessel which should be placed at the disposition of the shipper. C. Freight. And B. Compliance with the formal requisites under Article 652 of the Code of Commerce, which include the requirement that the charter party must be in writing, drawn in duplicate, and signed by the parties. In modern maritime law and usage, there are three distinguishable types of charter parties. A. Bareboat or Demis Charter, B. Time Charter, and C. Voyage or Trip Charter, Litonua Shipping Incorporated versus National Seamen Board. Note, both Time and Voyage Charters are said to be contracts of appraisement where a common or public carrier is not converted into a private carrier. Contract of appraisement 
one in which the owner of the vessel leases part of all or part or all of its space to haul goods for others. It is a contract for special services wherein the general owner retains the possession, command, and navigation of the ship. The charterer or freighterer merely has use of the space in the vessel and in return for his payment of the charter hire. The rights and responsibilities of ownership rest on the owner, and the charterer is usually free from liability to third person in respect of the ship. Poro Mines Incorporated versus CA. Now we go to bareboat or demis charter. In a bareboat or demis charter, the ship owner leases to the charterer the whole vessel. The owner relinquishes completely and exclusively the possession, command, and navigation of the vessel. Anything short of such complete transfer is a contract of apprentment or apprentment or not a charter party at all. The master and crew of the vessel thereby became the charterer's servants. Thus, the charterer by virtue of a demis charter is considered the owner pro acvisi. He mans and equips the vessel and assumes all responsibility for navigation, management, and operation. He thus acts as the owner of the vessel in all important aspects during the duration of the charter. Poromines Incorporated versus CA. Bearboat or bearboat distinguished from contract of apprentment. In bareboat or demis charter, the common carrier is converted to a private carrier. Although a charter party may transform a common carrier into a private one, the same, however, is not true in a contract of apprentment on account of the distinctions between a contract of apprentment and a demis or bareboat charter. For demis or bareboat, charterer becomes liable to others for any breach caused by its negligence, while contract of apprentment Owner remains liable as carrier and must answers for any breach of duty. In demis or bareboat, charterer regarded as owner pro act VC for the voyage, while contract of apprentment, charterer is not regarded as owner. Same demis or bareboat owner or owner of a vessel relinquished possession, command, and navigation to charterer. Common carrier is converted to private carrier. The contract of apprentment. The vessel owner retains position, command, and navigation of the ship. Common carrier is not converted to private carrier. 2. Time Charter Time Charter is a contract for the use of a vessel for a specific period of time or for the duration of one or more specified voyages. The owner of time chartered vessel retains possession and control through the master and crew who remain his employees. The time charterer acquires the right to utilize the carrying capacity and facilities to the vessel and designate her destinations during the term of the charter. Litonha Shipping Company Incorporated National Seamen Board. Voyage or the third, voyage or trip charter. In voyage charter, the vessel is leased for a single or particular voyage. The vessel is chartered for a carriage of goods from one or more points or more ports of loading to one or more ports of unloading. The master and crew remain the employee of the owner of the vessel, Litonha Shipping Company case. The owner who retains possession of the ship remains liable as carrier and must answer for loss or non-delivery of the goods received by or for transportation. Cebu Salvis Corporation versus Philippine Home Assurance Corporation. Liability of Ship Owners and Shipping Agents The persons participating in maritime commerce are the following. Ship owners of ship agents, captains and masters, 
other officers and crew and supercargos. Ship owner. He has possession, control, and management of the vessel. He has the consequent right to direct her navigation and receive freight earned and paid while his possession continues. He is the person who is primarily liable for damages sustained in the operation of the vessel based on the provisions of the Code of Commerce. Ship agent is the person entrusted with the provisioning of a vessel or who represents her in the port in which she happens to be. The ship agent is solidarily liable with the owner. The joint and several liability applies both for breach of contract and extra-contractual obligations as a steward. The ship agent, even though he is not the owner, is liable in every way to the creditor or for losses and damages without prejudice to the right of the owner in the vessel and its equipment and freight. Captains are those who govern vessels that navigate the high seas or ships of large dimensions and importance, although they may be engaged in cost-wise trade. Masters, those who command smaller ships engaged exclusively in cost-wise or cost-wise trade in maritime commerce, masters and captains are the same. Crew, a person on board who is involved in highly technical tasks and the manning of the vessel, example, master or mate. Complement, a person not a crew who is not directly involved in the manning of the vessel, example, cook. Supercargo are pers or a person on board the vessel who functions as an agent with the owner of the goods ship as a cargo on a vessel, has charge of the cargo on board, sells the cargo to the best advantage in the foreign markets, buys cargo to the brought and be brought back on the return voyage of the ship and comes home with it. The ship owner or ship agent is liable A. For acts of the captain unless the latter exceeds his authority B. For contracts entered into by the captain to repair, equip, and provision the vessel provided that the amount claimed was invested for the benefit of the vessel C. For the indemnities in favor of third persons which may be arise from the conduct of the captain in the care of the goods transported as well as for the safety of passengers transported D. For damages to third persons for tort or quasi-delic committed by the captain except collision with another vessel. For damages in case of collision due to the fault, negligence, or want of skill of the captain, sailing mate, or any other member of the complement. Liability for acts of captain. Three distinct roles of a captain. One, general agent of the ship owner. Two, commander and technical director of the vessel. And three, representative of the country under whose flag he navigates, Inter-Orient Marine Enterprise versus NLRC. The captain shall be liable for the, to the agent and the latter to third persons for all the damages suffered by the vessel in his cargo by reason of want or skill or negligence on his part, for all the thefts committed by the crew reserving his right of action against the guilty parties, for the losses, fines, and confiscations imposed on account of violation of the laws and regulation of customs, police, health, and navigation. For the losses and damages caused by the uh, mutinies on board the vessel or by reason of faults committed by the crew in the service and defense of the same, if it has not proved that he made full use of his authority to prevent or avoid them. For those arising by reason of an undue use of powers and unfulfillment of the volition which are his, for those arising by reason of his going out of his course or taking a course which he should not have taken without the sufficient cause, in the opinion of the officers of the vessel at a meeting with the shippers or supercargos who may be on board. For those arising by reason of his voluntary 
or voluntarily entering a port other than that of his destination and for those arising by reason of the captain's non-observance of the provisions contained in the regulations on situation of lights and maneuvers for the purpose of preventing collisions. Exceptions to limited liability The doctrine of limited liability, hypothecary rules. The real and hypothecary nature of maritime law simply means that the liability of the carrier in connection with losses related to maritime contracts is confined to the vessel which is hypothecated for such obligations or which stands as the guarantee of their settlement. The liability of the vessel owner and agent arising from the erosion of such vessel is confined to the vessel itself, its equipment, freight, and insurance, if any. Originated by reason of the conditions and risks attending maritime trade in its earliest years, when such trade uh, was replete with innumerable and unknown hazards since vessels had to go through largely uncharted waters to ply their trade. Reason. Such limitation of liability was designed to offset adverse condition and to encourage people and entities to venture into maritime commerce despite the risk and the prohibitive cost of shipbuilding and induce cap capitalists into effectively wagering their resources against the consideration of the large profits attainable in the trade, avoid shipping versus general accident fire and life insurance. Thus, under the doctrine of an abandonment, one, the agent shall be civilly liable for the indemnities in favor of third persons which arise from the conduct of the captain in the care of the goods which the vessel carried, but he may exempt himself therefrom by abandoning the vessel with all her equipment and the freight he may have earned during the voyage. Two, the owners of a vessel shall be civilly liable in the proportion of their contribution to the common fund for the results of the acts of the captain referred to in Article 587. Its part owner may exempt himself from this liability by the abandonment before a notary of the part of the vessel belonging to him. In case of collision, the liability of the ship owner shall be understood as limited to the value of the vessel with all her appurtenances and all the freight earned during the voyage. If the vessel and her freight should be totally lost by reason of capture or wreck, all rights of the crew to demand any wages whatsoever shall be extinguished, as well as the agent for the recovery of the advan or advances made. If the ship owner or agent may in any way be held civilly liable at all for injury or in death of passengers arising from the negligence of the captain in cases of collisions or shipwrecks, his liability is merely coextensive with his interest in the vessel, such that a total loss thereof results in its extinction. Yanko versus Lacerna. Exceptions to the limited liability rule 1. Claims under the Workmen's Compensation Act 2. Expenses for repairing, provisioning, and equipping the vessel 3. There is an actual finding of negligence on the part of the vessel owner or agent 4. Vessel is insured to the extent of the insurance proceeds 5. There was no total loss and the vessel is not abandoned 6. Collision between two negligent vessels Accidents and damages in maritime commerce. These are general averages and collisions and elisions. General averages. Averages pertain to expenses and damages. Expense to constitute an average. An expense must be extraordinary or accidental incurred during the voyage and incurred in order to preserve the vessel, the cargo, or both. Damages or deterioration. 
to constitute an average, it must have been suffered by the vessel from the time the vessel put to sea from the port of departure until it, it uh, cast anchor in the port of destination and have been suffered by the merchandise from the time they are loaded in the port of shipment until they are unloaded in the port of consignment. There are two kinds of averages, one, particular or simple average, and two, gross or general average. Particular average, particular or simple averages shall include or include all damages and expenses caused to the vessel or cargo that did not inure to the common benefit and profit of all persons interested in the vessel and her cargo. The owner of the goods which give rise to the expenses or suffered the damage shall bear these averages. General averages, general or gross averages shall include all the damages and expenses which are deliberately caused in order to save the vessel, her cargo, or both at the same time from a real and known risk. The gross or general average shall be borne by those who benefited from the sacrifice. This include the ship owner and the owners of the cargos that were saved. Contribution may also be imposed on the insurers of the vessel or cargos that were saved as well as lenders on bottomry or respondencia. Requisites. There must be a common danger that for the common safety or common safety part of the vessel or of the cargo or boat is sacrificed deliberately that from the expenses or damages caused follows the successful saving of the vessel and cargo and that the expenses or damages should have been incurred or inflicted after taking proper legal steps and authority. Common danger means both the ship and the cargo after it has been loaded are subject to the same danger, whether during the voyage or in the port of loading or unloading, whether the danger arises from the accidents of the sea, dispositions of the authority, or faults of men, provided that the circumstances producing the peril may rationally be said to be certain and imminent. It excludes measures undertaken against a distant peril. Magsaysay Incorporated versus Agan. No. When a vessel is stranded unintentionally, the damages incurred cannot constitute general averages. These are cases of general averages. 1. The goods or cash invested in the redemption of the vessel or cargo captured by enemies, privateers or pirates, and the provisions, wages, and expenses of the vessel detained during the time the arrangement of redemption is taking place constitute general averages. 2. The goods jettisoned to lighten the vessel, whether they belong to the vessel, to the cargo, or to the crew, and the damage suffered through said act by the goods kept. 3. The cables and masts which are cut or rendered useless, the anchors and the chains which are abandoned in order to save the cargo, the vessel, or both. The expenses of removing or transferring a portion of the cargo in order to lighten the vessel and place her in condition to enter a port of or roadstead and the damage resulting therefrom to the goods removed or transferred. More on general averages are number 5. The damage suffered by the goods of the cargo through the opening made in the vessel in order to drain her and prevent her sinking. 6. The expenses caused through floating a vessel intentionally at stranded for the purpose of saving her. The damage caused to the vessel which is necessary to break open, scuttle, or smash in order to save the cargo. 8. The expenses of curing and maintaining the members of the crew who may have been wounded or crippled in defending or saving the vessel. 
and 9, the wages of any member of the crew detained or hostaged by enemies, privateers or pirates in the necessary expense which he may incur in his imprisonment until he is returned to the vessel or to his domicile should he prefer it. 10. The wages and or victuals of the crew of a vessel chartered by the month during the time it should be embargoed or detained by force major or by order of the government or in order to repair the damage caused for the common good. 11. The loss suffered in the value of the goods sold at arrivals under stress in order to repair the vessel because of gross average. 12. The expenses of the liquidation of the average. 13. If enlightening a vessel on account of a storm in order to facilitate her entry into a port or roadstead, part of her cargo should be transferred to lighters or barges and be lost. The owner of said part shall be entitled to indemnity as if the loss has originated from a gross average. And 14. If as a necessary measure to extinguish a fire in a port, roadstead, creek, or bay, it should be decided to sink any vessel. This loss shall be considered gross average to which the vessel saved shall contribute. Jettison. Jettison is the act of throwing overboard part of the vessel's cargo or hull in hopes of saving a ship from sinking. The captain shall direct the jettison and shall order the goods cast overboard in the following order. 1. Goods on deck. Beginning with those which embarrass the maneuvers of damage the vessel, preferring it possible, the heaviest ones with the least utility and value. And two, goods below the upper deck, always beginning with those of the greatest weight and smallest value to the amount and number absolutely indispensable. To include the goods jettisoned in the general or gross average, the existence of the cargo or goods must be proved for cargo by means of bill of lading and for goods belonging to the vessel by means of the inventory prepared prior to departure. Jason Clause Jason Clause is an event which gave rise to the sacrifice or expenditure may have been due to the fault of one of the parties to the adventure. Note, this shall not prejudice any remedies or defenses which may be open against against or to that party in respect of such fault. Procedure for recovery, assembly and deliberate or deliberation with the sailing mate and other officers. Resolution of the captain adopted. Hearing of the persons interested in case an interested person should not be heard, he shall not contribute to the gross average. Resolution to be entered in the logbook stating the motives and reasons therefore as well as the votes and reason for disagreement. Minutes to be signed by the, all the persons present or in urgent cases. The captain. Captain shall deliver one copy of the minutes to the maritime judicial authority of the first port he may make within 24 hours. And captain shall ratify the minutes under oath. Collisions in Allisions Collision is an impact or sudden contact between two moving vessels. Allision is the striking of a moving vessel against one that is stationary. Collision between a steam and a sail vessel. General rule. When meeting a sailing vessel, whether close hold or with a wind or wind free, the sail vessel has a right to keep her course, and it is the duty of the steamer to adopt precautions as well avoid to sail vessel. In a collision between a steam vessel and a sail vessel, the presumption is against the steam vessel. The steam vessel must show that, the, that she took the proper measures to avoid the collision. 
reason, the steamer's greater facility of maneuvering over a sail vessel means it has the greater ability to avoid collision. Collision between two power-driven vessels. General rule, when two power-driven vessels are meeting head-on or nearly head-on so as to invoke risk of collision, it shall after her course to starboard, right side. Reason, so that it's me fast on the port, left, or left side of the other. Liability and collision cases. Liability and collision cases is negligence-based. Courts are called upon to determine the negligence of the persons involved in order to impose liability. The person who caused the injury is both civilly and criminally liable. Nevertheless, the rules that apply to quasi-delic cannot be applied to collision cases. The doctrine of last clear chance and the rules on contributory negligence cannot be applied in collision cases. This is in accordance with Article 8 to 7 of the Code of Commerce. Thus, if both vessels were negligently operated, it must suffer its own damage, even if the other has the last clear chance of avoiding the injury. Similarly, proof that the plaintiff was negligent will bar recovery from the defendant in collision cases, even if the plaintiff's negligence can be classified as merely contributory. Classes of collision Fortuitos, culpable, inscrutable fault Fortuitos, none was at fault. In culpable collision, one or more vessels were at fault, while in inscrutable fault, it cannot be determined which of the vessels were at fault. Fortuitos, when collision is due to a fortuitous event or force majeure, its vessel and its cargo shall bear its own damages. When by reason of force majeure, a vessel proper, properly anchored and moored collides with another, the injury occasion shall be looked upon as particular average to the vessel run into. Culpable. When only one vessel is at fault, the owner of the vessel at fault shall indemnify the losses and damages suffered after an expert appraisal. When both vessels are at fault, it shall suffer its own damages, and both shall be solidary responsible for the losses and damages occasioned to their cargos. Note. The ship owners cannot successfully maintain an action against the, the other for the loss or injury to his vessel. When a third vessel is at fault, the owner of the third vessel shall indemnify the losses and damages caused the captain thereof being civilly liable to said owner. Inscrutable fault. In case of inscrutable fault, that is, if it cannot be decided which of the two vessels was the cause of the collision, each shall bear its own damage, and both shall be jointly responsible for the losses and damages suffered by their cargos. Carriers of Goods by SIAC or COGSA Application COGSA, Commonwealth Act Number no. 65, is a special law that governs all contracts of carriers of goods by sea between or to and from the Philippine ports. Its application in accordance or in according to the following scheme. Common carrier versus private carrier coming to the Philippines from foreign trade. Common carrier, new civil code for common carriers, COGSA, Code of Commerce. Private carrier, applicable is COGSA, Code of Commerce, 
New Civil Code, provisions not on common carriers, that is, torts and contracts. From Philippines to foreign country, common carrier and private carrier applies laws of such foreign country, 1753 Civil Code. Nothing stops parties from stipulating that COGSA shall primarily apply, even domestic carriers can stipulate such with respect to vessels destined for foreign ports, the COGSA does not apply unless parties make it applicable. Under Article 1766, and on matters not regulated by the Civil Code, the rights and obligations of common carriers shall be governed by the Code of Commerce and Special Laws. Thus, although a special law, COGSA only applies when the Civil Code has no provisions dealing with the matter. Notice of Loss or Damage Notice of claim in the general nature of the loss or damage must be given in writing to the carrier or his agent at the port of discharge before at or at the same time of the removal of the goods. If damage is not patent or cannot be ascertained from the package, the shipper should file the claim with the carrier within three days from delivery. Under Section 3.6 of COGSA, a failure to file a notice of claim within three days will not bar recovery if it is nonetheless filed with one year or within one year. This one-year prescription period also applies to the shipper, the consignee, the insurer of the goods, or any legal holder of the bill of leading. Inasmuch as the, the, neither the Civil Code nor the Code of Commerce states a specific prescriptive period on the matter, the COGSA may be applied. Note, in the Warsaw Convention as well as the Code of Commerce, the notice requirement is a condition precedent for the right of action against the ship owner to accrue. Period of Prescription The carrier in the ship shall be discharged from all liability in respect of loss or damage unless suit is brought within one year after delivery of the goods or the date when the goods should have been delivered. The absence of a notice shall not affect or prejudice the right of the shipper to bring suit within one year after the delivery of the goods or the date when the goods should have been delivered. COGSA as special law prevails over the general provisions of the Civil Code on prescription of actions, maritime agencies, and services. Limitation of liability under Section 4, Paragraph 5, COGSA, the limit is set at a maximum of $500 per package or customary freight unit. This is deemed incorporated in the bill of leading even if not mentioned therein, Easter Shipping Lines and versus IAC. The declaration made by the shipper stating an amount bigger than $500 per package will make the carrier liable for such bigger amount, but only of the amount so declared is the real value of goods. The Civil Code does not limit the liability of the common carrier to a fixed amount per package, thus the COGSA supplements the Civil Code by establishing a statutory provision limiting the carrier's liability in the absence of the shipper's declaration of a higher value or higher value in the bill of leading, Belgian overseas chartering and shipping versus Philippine First Insurance Company. Public Service Act Definition of Public Utility The public utility is a business or service engaged in regularly supplying the public with some commonly or service of public conse consequence such as electricity, gas, water, transportation, telephone, or telegraph service, National Power Corporation versus Court of Appeals. Elements of a public utility. There must be a public interest or consequence, private property devoted to public use, offers to the public indiscriminately, for hire, or for compensation. 
necessity for certificate of public convenience. No public service has herein defined shall operate in the Philippines without having first secured from the Commission a certificate which shall be known as Certificate of Public Convenience or CPC or as Certificate of Public Convenience and Necessity, CPCN, Section 15 of Public Service Act. Requisites. The following are the requisites before a Certificate of Public Convenience may be granted. B. Applicant must be a citizen of the Philippines or a corporation or a, or a co-partnership, association or joint stock company constituted and organized under the laws of the Philippines, 60% at least of the stock or paid up capital of which belong entirely to the citizens of the Philippines. The applicant must prove that the operation of the public service proposed and the authorization to do business will promote the public interest in proper and suitable manner. The applicant must be financially capable of undertaking the proposed service and meeting the responsibilities incident to its operation. Citizenship No franchise certificate or any other form of authorization for the operation of a public utility shall be granted except to citizens of the Philippines or corporations or associations organized under the laws of the Philippines at least 60% or percent of whose capital is owned by such citizens. Article or Section 11, Article 12 of Constitution. Promotion of public interest. Property becomes clothed with a public interest when used in a manner to make it of a public consequence and affect the community at large. When the devotes his property to, a, to use in which the public has an interest, he in effect grants to the public an interest in that use and must submit to be controlled by the public for the common good to the extent of the interest he has thus created. North Negro Sugar Company versus Hidalgo. Financial Capability One of the primary factors considered in the granting of a certificate of public convenience for the business of public transportation is the financial capacity of the holder of the license so that liabilities arising from accidents may be duly compensated. Prior Operator Rule Its Meaning The first licensee should have more or less of a vested and preferential right over a person who seeks to acquire another and a later license over the same broth so long as the first license keeps and performs the terms and conditions of its license and complies with the reasonable rules and regulations of the commission and meets the reasonable demands of the public. Reasons Without such preferential right, the first licensee would not have protection on his investment and would be subject to ruinous competition and thus defeat the very purpose and intent for which the Public Service Commission was created. Batangas Transportation Company Exceptions When public interest and convenience would be better served by the new operator, where the old operator failed to make an offer to meet the increase in traffic, where the certificate of public convenience granted to the new operator is made in franchise, and when the application of the rule would be conducive to monopoly, Manburso Incorporated versus Francisco. What is ruinous competition? There is ruinous competition if the operator would be deprived of their profits on the capital invested in its business. The business would not have been sufficient uh, or to not have sufficient gains to pay a fair rate of interest on its capital investment. In order that the opposition based on ruinous competition may prosper, it must be shown that the opponent would be deprived of their profits on the capital invested in its business. 
the mere possibility of reduction in the earnings of a business is not sufficient to prove ruinous competition. It must be shown that the business would not have sufficient gains to pay as a fair rate of interest in its capital investment. Buda Dilat versus Public Service Commission. Fixing of rate. Rationally for control be by the government, the investor agreed by embarking capital in a utility that is charged to the public shall be reasonable. His company is the substitute for the state in the performance to the public service, thus becoming a public servant. The compensation which the Constitution guarantee an opportunity to earn is the reasonable cost of conducting the business. Republic of the Philippines versus Manila Electric Company. Standard for fixing of rates. In the fixing of rates, the only standard which the legislature is required to prescribe for the guidance of the administrative authority is that the rate be reasonable and just. What is just and reasonable rate is a question of fact calling for the exercise of discretion, good sense, and a fair, enlightened, and independent judgment. The requirement of reasonableness comprehends such rates which must not be so, so low as to be confiscatory or too high as to be oppressive. Republic of the Philippines versus Manila Electric Company. Rate of return. In determining the just and reasonable rates to be charged by a public utility, three major factors are considered by the regulating agency. Rate of return, rate-based, and return itself or the computed revenue to be earned by the public utility based on the rate of return and rate base. The rate of return is a judgment percentage which, if multiplied with the rate base, provides a fair return on the public or on the public utility for the use of its property for service to the public. The rate of return of public utility is not prescribed by statute but by administrative and judicial pronouncement. This court has consistently adopted a 12% rate of return for public utilities. Exclusion of income tax as expense. Income derived from any public utility or from the exercise of any essential government function accruing to the Philippine government or to any political subdivision is excluded from gross income. Unlawful arrangement. A. Boundary system. Under the boundary system, the driver rents the vehicle, typically a jeepney, from the owner or operator by paying a fee called the boundary fee, paid for fuel and maintenance of the vehicle. Whatever the driver earns from passenger fares in excess of the boundary fee is his income. PACU Transport Corporation versus National Labor Relations Commission. B. The Cabit System. The Cabit System is an arrangement whereby a person who has been granted a CPC allows, allows another person who owns motor vehicles to operate under such franchise for a P. Rationally against the Cabit System. It is an abuse of the Certificate of Public Convenience, a special privilege conferred by the government. It is one of the root causes of the prevalence of graft and corruption in the Government Transportation Office. It is contrary to public policy and is therefore void and inexistent. Tiha Marketing versus International Appellate Court. Effect of the Cabit System Although not outrightly penalized as a criminal offense, the Cabit system is invariably recognized as being contrary to public policy and therefore void and inexistent. Void and inexistent. It is a fundamental principle that the court will not aid either party to enforce an, an illegal contract but will leave both where it finds them. Courts will not grant affirmative relief to parties in cases where they set up a Cabit system. They are in pan delicto 
or in pari delecto, and the court will simply leave them where it found them. Lita Enterprise versus Iyak. The operator of record is considered the operator of the vehicle and contemplation of law as regards the public and third persons, even if the vehicle involved in the accident had been sold to another, Santos versus Sibog, where such sale and not been approved by the then Public Service Commission. Approval of sale, encumbrance, or lease of property. Before the sale, encumbrance, or lease of public utility, property, or assets, the Public Service Act requires the approval of the PSC. There should be a public hearing with notice to all interested parties before the approval is granted. The PSC must first determine if there are good and reasonable grounds justifying the transfer or lease of the property covered by the franchise or if the sale or lease is detrimental to public interest. Reasons A franchise is personal in nature. Any transfer or lease thereof should be notified to the PSC so that the latter may take proper safeguards to protect the interest of the public. If the property covered by the franchise is transferred or leased to another without obtaining the requisites approval, the transfer is not binding against the Public Service Commission and the grantee continues to be responsible under the franchise in relation to the Commission and to the public. Montoya v. Ignacio The Warsaw Convention Applicability The Warsaw Convention applies to all international carriers of persons, baggage, or cargo performed by aircraft for reward, gratuitous carriage by aircraft performed by an air transport undertaking. International air carriers or international air transport means transportation by air between points of contact of two high contracting parties or those countries that have acceded to Warsaw Convention wherein the place of departure and the place of destinations are situated within the territories of two high contracting parties regardless of whether or not there be a break in the transportation or a transshipment or within the territory of a single high contracting party if there is an agreed stopping place within a territory subject to the sovereignty, mandate, or authority of another power even though the power is not a party to the convention. A carriage to be performed by several successive air carriers is deemed for the purposes of the conventions to be one undivided carriage. It has been regarded by the parties as a single operation whether it had been agreed upon under the form of a single contract or of a series of contracts. The carrier is liable for damages for death or injury of passenger, destruction, loss or damage to any baggage or goods that are checked in, and delay in the transport by air of passengers, baggage or goods. In death or injury of passenger, if the accident causing it took place on board the aircraft in the course of the operations of embarking or disembarking or when there was delay and destruction or loss, is during the transportation by air or where there were there was delay. The carriage by air contemplated comprises the period in which the baggage or goods are in charge of the carrier, whether in an airport or on board an aircraft, or in the case of landing outside an airport in any place whatsoever. It does not cover any transportation by land, by sea, or by river performed outside an airport. If transportation takes place in the performance of a contract by air for the purpose of loading, delivery, or transshipment, any damage is presumed, subject to proof to the contrary, to have been the result of an event 
which took place during the transportation by air. The Warsaw Convention does not provide for an exclusive enumeration of instances when the carrier is liable. It does not provide an absolute limit of liability and it does not preclude the application of the civil code and other pertinent local laws in the determination of the extent of liability of the common carrier, Philippine Airlines versus CA. Hence, a complainant for quasi-delic can still be filed even if the filing is beyond the prescriptive period provided for under the convention so long as it is within the prescriptive period of four years under the civil code. Notice of Claim With the international carrier is a mandatory or condition precedent under the Warsaw Convention, baggage within three days from receipt in case of delay within 14 days from the time the baggage was placed at the disposal of the passenger and for goods within seven days from delivery. In case of an action for damage to passenger baggage, the case must be filed in court within two years. Limitation of liability. Any provision tending to relieve the carrier of liability or to fix a lower limit than that which is laid down shall be null and void, but the nullity of any such provision does not involve the nullity of the whole contract. A billing of provisions excluding limiting liability. The carrier shall not be entitled to avail himself of the provisions which exclude or limit his liability if the damage is caused by his willful misconduct or by such default on his part as is considered to be equivalent to willful misconduct. The damage is caused as aforestated or aforesaid by any agent of the carrier acting within the scope of his employment. Section 22, Paragraph 2 does not cooperate as an exclusive enumeration of the instances of an airline's liability or as absolute limit of the extent of that liability. The Convention's provision do not regulate or exclude the following areas. Liability for other breaches of the contract by the carrier, misconduct of its officers and employees, and for some particular or exceptional type of damage that is moral, nominal, temperate, or exemplary damages. Right to damages. The right to damages under the Warsaw Convention is extinguished after two years from the date of arrival at the destination or from the date on which the aircraft ought to have arrived or from the date on which the carriers stop. The method of calculating the period of limitation shall be determined by the law of the court cease of the case. Liability to passengers. General rule, in the carriers of passengers, the liability of the carrier for its passenger is limited to 100,000 special drawing rights for the aggregate of the claims in respect of damage suffered as a result of death or personal injury to its passenger. Exception, by special contract, the carrier and the passenger may agree to a higher limit. Note, special drawing rights are supplementary foreign exchange reserve assets defined and maintained by the International Monetary Fund. Liability for check baggage. General rule is, in the carriers of cargo, the liability of the carrier is limited to sum of 17 special drawing rights per kilograms as amended by additional number 3, 1975 of Warsaw Convention. Exception, the limit does not apply when the consignor has made at the time when the package was handed over to the carrier a special declaration of the value at delivery and has paid a supplementary sum if the case so requires. In that case, the carrier will be liable to pay a sum not exceeding the declared sum unless he proves that the sum is greater than the actual value to the consignor at delivery. Li liability for hand-carried baggage. As regards hand-carried baggage, the liability of the carrier is limited to 
332 special drawing rights for per passenger article 22 paragraph 3 of the uh, Warsaw Convention as amended by additional protocol number 2 the Guatemala protocol of 1971 increased the limit for passengers to $100,000 and for baggage to $1,000 however the Supreme Court noted in Santos the third versus Northwest Orient Airlines that the Guatemala protocol is still ineffective. The Warsaw Convention should be deemed a limit of liability only in those cases where the cause of death or injury to persons or destruction, loss or damage to property or delay in its transport is not attributable to or, to or attended by any willful misconduct, bad faith, recklessness or otherwise improper conduct on the part of any official or employee for which the carrier is responsible and there is otherwise no special or extraordinary form of resulting injury Alitalia versus IAC Note, the Montreal Convention 1999 changed the limits of liability in relation to delay, baggage and cargo as follows in the case of damage caused by delay as specified in Article 19 in the carriage of persons the liability of the carrier for its passenger is limited to 4,100 special drawing rights in the carriage of baggage the liability of the carrier in the case of destruction, loss, damage or delay is limited to 1,000 special drawing rights for its passenger in the carriage of cargo the liability of the carrier in the case of destruction, loss, damage or delay is limited to sum of 17 special drawing rights per kilograms Willful misconduct. A common carrier may not avail of the limitation in the following cases. There is willful misconduct, default amounting to willful misconduct, accepting passengers without ticket, and accepting goods without airway or airway bill or baggage without baggage check. These are provided in the Warsaw Convention. Receipt by the person entitled to the delivery of baggage or cargo without complaint is prima facie evidence that the same has been delivered in good condition and in accordance with the document of carriage. 